Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If your wife or husband died, would you even miss them? You see, God can put into you a joy in the covenant of marriage. He can infuse in you a new start, a healing. You see, when God joins a husband and wife together, he does it physically, emotionally, and spiritually. What affects one spouse affects the other. A marriage in which God is absent is a marriage destined for disaster. Today, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to radically change if their marriages are far from joyful. The Lord specifically designed marriage for your benefit, so how can you judge a perfect God on His own creation? Your marriage should be full of goodness towards your spouse because you're representing Christ's love to the church. If your marriage is struggling today, don't waste another minute. Run to the Creator who is more than willing and able to provide. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he continues with his message entitled, God Cares for Your Marriage. So a covenant is what marriage was designed by. Look at Malachi 2.14. Now in Malachi, the Jewish men were looking to divorce their wives, and God was angry about it. It's not changed. It's the same. They were looking for loopholes. Well, look what it says in Malachi 2.14. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth, because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, notice here, Vieira, watch, the wife of your marriage covenant, circle the word, the wife of your marriage covenant. See, a covenant was what marriage was designed to be, not a contract. A covenant is a solemn agreement with a binding force. Now, in the Old Testament, we have lots of covenants, And in the Old Testament, basically, when two people entered a covenant with one another, watch me, they would take an animal, and this animal would be killed, and the carcass would be cut in half and laid open. The two halves would then be placed on the ground. The animal has died. And if you made this covenant with another person, you and that other person would walk between the cut halves of a dead animal. And here's what you say as you walked. May God do to me what happened to this animal 
if I break this covenant. Now, that's pretty serious, is it? I mean, you're walking between an animal that was just killed, and you say to God, I'm taking this very, no loopholes here, I'm taking this very, very seriously. Well, that's what a covenant was. That's what marriage was designed to be. Now, the word covenant, make sure you understand this, the word covenant means to cut, to cut, in order to bleed. It was an intermingling of blood between two people. Kind of remember the old days when somebody cut their finger and somebody cut their finger and they put the finger together. That's the picture of covenant, to cut in order to bleed. Now, let me say this to you, because the majority have no clue what I'm going to say. God designed the woman, every woman, so that when, as a virgin, she consummated her marriage as a virgin with her husband, there was a shedding of blood. Every woman was designed as the covenant partner. As that marriage was consummated, God built in a virgin woman and a virgin man. As that took place, the marriage was built on a covenant of blood. Now let me ask you today, is that known? Is that practiced? Is that something that the world even has a clue about? The most sacred thing in all the world has been totally ignored through one-night stands, casual sex, the cutting of a virgin woman by her husband, a beautiful thing saying, we're basing this on life and death. So what have we done in our world? Made a joke of it. Since that can't be for most people today, something that will even happen, we just make it a contract. You see, covenant was all or nothing. It was sealed. It was initiated by a vow. We do that in the marriage vows. And then there was this looking back, a sign that you look back to. The sign is the wedding ring. So when I finish marrying someone, the covenant words that they were making were all during the ceremony. This was the sign that it was going to be true. And the wedding night was that intermingling of that which God designed in every single woman. We missed it. You see, today, write these down, a contract limits our responsibilities and protects our rights. You see, I don't want to have responsibility. I want to protect myself. No. In a covenant... We give up our rights and we assume 
the responsibilities. By the way, if there's anyone that assumes the responsibility, it is to be the spiritual leader of the home, which is the husband. And what do we have by and large in the church today? We have absentee spiritual leaders. We have men that won't lead, that refuse to take the role that God has given them. And that's why marriage, even in the church, is a disaster. So what is the definition? How does that look? Let me show it to you. Here's a little definition that you may want to write. Marriage is a lifetime commitment. It's a lifetime of unconditional love to an imperfect person forever. You mean the person I'm married to is going to be imperfect forever? Yes. Just like you are. And just like I am. But it's a commitment that we've made to each other. And by the way, when we do this, we don't go, I'm a Christian, I don't get divorced, so it's going to be hell till God gets rid of me, but I'm just going to do it for God's sake. No, it's a disaster in the home. The kids that leave a home like that never want to get married because you've been playing a game. And the role model that we're supposed to be has been a joke. Because there's no intimacy and honesty between the husband and the wife. Guys, let's change it starting today. Let's be real in our homes. Malachi 2.16, notice the next verse after God talks about this covenant. He says, I hate divorce. Now it doesn't say I hate divorcees. He loves people who have been divorced. He wants to give them a second chance. But he hates divorce. Here's a picture. I think of exactly what I'm trying to say to you. You know, 50 years ago, 75 years ago, when you got married in this country and you moved into this little house called marriage, see it on the screen? There was no back door. You just stayed married. But over time, our society has built a back door. And it just has creeped open and open and open. And pretty soon, for all practical purposes, there's no wall there anymore. I mean, marriage just has an open door. You can get married. Two weeks later, you, you get divorced. You just walk out. I want to say to you today, let's build a brick wall over the door that society has created. And in your home, put a big sign that says, no divorce. There's no way out. There's no escape. You just stay in that marriage. So Linda and I never use the D word. It's not an option for us. We absolutely will not divorce because we made a covenant with God. Is it hard? (laughs) It's very hard. We never use the D word. We do use the K word. Kill. Because if I kill her, I can get remarried because she's dead. But of course, I have to wait till my prison term is over before I can get married. I'm just joking with you. Maybe. You ever felt like it? Come on. You're in church. <sighs> It's tough, isn't it? 
Those of you that are single thinking of getting married, probably furthest thing for your mind right now. <laughs> I'm going to be selling my whole life, Pastor Mark. Lots of cold showers, that's okay. <laughs> See, marriage is, you just have to say, it's not going to happen. Divorce isn't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Now, understand the principle. If the back door is blocked, then an escape hatch for divorce is out of the question. Once the back door is blocked, we're much more likely to work at a healthy marriage. Just block it today. Block it. And begin working at a healthy marriage. Number four. Turn to Genesis chapter two, if you will. Number four. God expects oneness. In other words, when he puts us together, he expects a companionship and a unified team, a team. In Genesis 24, we have God's direction to Adam and Eve. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. What does it mean to leave? Leaving is simply setting a priority of earthly relationships. Aside from my relationship with God, which obviously has to be first, my relationship with my spouse, according to God, this is what he expects, becomes a priority. So my spouse becomes number one in my life. Now, that means my spouse becomes number one over in-laws, over children, over friends, and over my career. You see, when God put children in our home, he put them there to see us, to model marriage, and to leave. The little, the eagle pushes the eaglets out of the nest at the right time. By the way, 13 is not the right time. Even though you can't stand them, you can't push them out of the nest yet. <laughs> but when they get 18 and 19 and 20, you need to push them out. Some of the problem we have with marriages is the mom-in-law, the dad-in-law want to be part of that new marriage. They want to be part of that circle up here. They're part of the priority. No, you're not. We have a lot of moms and dads that won't let go. And because of that, the couple never become one. By the way, the highest priority in human relationships is not parent to child. It's mate to mate. In your home, your children cannot be the number one priority. It must be your spouse. If it isn't that, then you're headed for trouble. Also, understand, make sure your career is not more important than your spouse. Do you understand that my wife, Linda, is more important to me than pastoring this church? You're important to me. I love teaching you. I love counseling you. I love shepherding you. But my wife is more important to me than you. I cannot be the man God wants if this church has more priority than my spouse. That's a disaster waiting to happen. So understand, sometimes I just have to say no to you. I can't meet with you. I can't do this. I can't do that. Because my wife comes before you. You don't want a pastor whose church is before his wife. Because a disaster is waiting to happen. 
You see, you can always get another pastor, but I can't get another wife like the one I got. And after this many years of training her, if you believe that, good luck. So let me ask you, this week, why, why am I teaching this? Well, Pastor Myers and I should teach him about marriage. That has nothing to do with me. Really? No, it's going to require change in your life. Here's what I want you to do this week. You get home, sit down at the table with your spouse, and say to your spouse, I want you to do this. This is your homework. Do you feel number one? Do you feel that I'm number one? Do you feel that? Do you feel I'm treating you as number one? And if your spouse says to you, well, not really. I think your, your job is way more than me. Or the kids are way more than me. Then you need to correct it. See, he who hears the word and does the word has a strong house. Do you know that there's some couples that can't sit and look into each other's eyes? I mean, you can go to bed with them for years and you're in the house with them and everything is shared, but you're not intimate enough to look in their eyes and go, I don't feel I'm number one in your life, honey. Well, something's missing big time. But you sit down today, or tomorrow, sometime this week, and just make sure that your spouse is number one in your life. Next, marriage continues with cleaving. So we leave, and then we cleave. Notice, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and then be united to his wife. What does cleave mean? It just means you've been, if you've ever heard me speak, it's super glue. It's God determining to put us together. There's nothing passive about this cleaving. God designed and glues the couple together. People don't glue to each other. God does it. And the difference in a healthy marriage is not the absence of problems, but the absence of a commitment, the gluing together. You see, love is not this emotion. Love is simply a decision that says, I'm in it for life. And look at the last part of verse 24. And they will become one flesh. That's number 4C. Marriage involves oneness. What does oneness sound like? Just like you picture it. Oneness. It's being in agreement with God's will, we're doing this together. Amos 2, 3, 3 says, can two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? You can't walk. That's why a believer and an unbeliever can't have a healthy marriage. Because they're not on the same page. But oneness means an agreement with God's will and agreement with our spouse. Now, how hard is that? Very hard. Because I'm very selfish. But as I work at that, I develop... A team, a team that works together. Someone was giving an anniversary party for a couple that had been married 50 years. After they said all these nice words, the husband got up and wanted to offer a toast to his wife. And he said, my dear wife, after 50 years, I found you tried and true. And everyone smiled and ladies were kind of tearing up a little whatever. But his wife was like clueless. She had bad hearing. She couldn't hear. So she cupped one hand behind the other ear and said, Hey! And her husband said he knew this, so repeatedly, very loudly, he said, After 50 years, I found you tried and true. 
And the wife finally heard it and shot back and she said this, let me tell you something, after 50 years, I'm tired of you too. How many know what I just said? Uh-huh. I haven't got there yet, and I've only been married 40 years. We've got another 10 to go. See, marriage is not about me. Marriage is about we. We. If you spell the word team, you can't put an I in it. There's no I in team. Let me ask you something. Those of you that are married, do you enjoy your marriage? Do you share with your spouse? Is there a oneness? Is there a unity? Yes, it's tough. But do you enjoy being together? Do you make love on a routine basis? We have many couples that don't make love but once a year. What is up? The world has destroyed what God wants in your life. Is there an intimacy in talking and communicating? If your wife or husband died, would you even miss them? You see, God can put into you a joy in the covenant of marriage. He can infuse in you a new start, a healing. You see, when God joins a husband and wife together, he does it physically, emotionally, and spiritually. What affects one spouse affects the other. I'll never forget after my open heart surgery. I had to gently climb into the shower because I had all these stitches. My chest had been opened up and all these stitches. And my wife had to bathe me. Now, she's a nurse. That helped. But it's very humbling for me. You know, one day I may have to do the same for her. We're a team. For better or for worse. And wherever you're at today, I want to give you three things to end. You don't have to write them down. I just want you to see them. And I want you to understand there's hope for you. Number one, God designed your marriage. He knows how to make it healthy. Number two, God will make your marriage healthy. You sit down this week with your spouse and say, where are we? And number three, God will heal your marriage when it's unhealthy. Many of you are going to find a place It's not healthy. But the only way to correct it is to admit it. Uh, Pastor Mark, it's been 22 years or 21, and we kind of got this thing down. We just kind of exist in separate areas of the house and stop it. What a devastation for the world. And what a terrible model for your children. And third, why are you miserable in life? because we won't open our hearts to our soulmate and let God heal us. Sometimes it can seem like God is just out to get us in our marriages, yet scripture teaches the exact opposite. Today, Pastor Mark taught us that there is no greater advocate for your marriage than God himself. If you're lacking that marital bliss you have always longed for, Look no further than the Lord for strength and direction. He must be at the center of both you and your spouse's life to enjoy true happiness together. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The first step to being a good husband, wife, or parent is to be a good Christ follower. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will continue to talk about this area of our lives. We'll learn you must have a healthy relationship with God. The world will influence what you and your children see and believe if you're not grounded in the truth daily. Don't set yourself up for disaster by trying to master life on your own. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. See